Our second lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Luke. I'm reading from chapter 16. I'm reading the first 13 verses of Luke 16. Listen. Then Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an account of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Now that my manager is, my master is taking the position away from me. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down, and quickly make it 50. And then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of the Lord. So we have in this church this practice of saying certain words when we finish reading Scripture, the Reader says, this is the word of the Lord, and the people say, we participate in this little litany to be reminded that the words that are read from this pulpit are not just some of the millions of words that echo around us all the time. We participate in this little litany to affirm that the words that we read here, in fact, these words, the words from this particular book, they are Holy words, they are sacred words that want to shape our very lives. We believe the words of this book, the Bible. We affirm that they are unique, they are authoritative, they are words that we strive to live by as God's people. They are words that give life and give purpose and give hope to us. So that's why we say it. This is the word of the Lord. And then we had two lessons today that may raise questions. You heard Isabel read that Psalm 79. It's a harsh one. It's a reminder that we often find ourselves perplexed and lost and beaten down and afraid. And we don't know where to turn and we don't know what God is doing and we don't know what is going on. And that Psalm gives us permission to cry out and ask and wait and trust. 
And then we have this scripture from Luke 16, uh, this perplexing passage. What is going on here in this passage? Luke 16. It's about a rich man, and it's about a manager, and it's about money, and it's about managing property. We get that. Actually, Jesus talks a lot about these things, money and property and wealth and managing property. In fact, they're some of Jesus' favorite subjects, especially in the Gospel of Luke. It keeps coming up. And it's a favorite subject because faithfulness as disciples always relates to money and wealth and property management. In fact, the frequency with which Jesus talks about money and managing wealth confirms that they are critical topics to us as we seek the way of discipleship, the way of loving and serving and following Jesus Christ our Lord. Most of the time when Jesus speaks about these things, wealth and money and property, it's pretty straightforward. Wealth can easily lead us away from God. There's a familiar story in all the Gospels about a rich young ruler who comes up to Jesus looking for eternal life and says, how do I find it, Jesus? And he says, you know how to find it. You know what the law says. And the man recites it. And then Jesus says, but go and sell what you have and give it to the poor because his money and his wealth had become a barrier for him. There are plenty of stories like this. Jesus warns another man in Luke 12. Many of us read this story uh, this week as a part of the second course conversations happening all across the city. It's about storing up treasures. In fact, that particular story in Luke 12 says, those who store up treasures for themselves will indeed lose their lives. We are to be rich in God, not rich in treasures. And then in Luke 15, which is just prior to our passage today, a young man goes off and squanders his wealth. This is not the way of life, not the way of faithfulness. Life, especially life in God and life for God, means dealing well with our money and being good stewards of all that God gives us, using it for God and with God in God's work in the world. We need this kind of encouragement. All of us do We understand the importance of this message. We may not get it right all the time. We're always working on it. But it's a clear message. Money and property and management are all from God. And they're used for God and God's purposes in the world. But then we have this passage today and it's about a dishonest manager, it says. In fact, that's the heading in my Bible. Dishonest manager over Luke 16. So what do we say about it? How do we say thanks be to God for that? In case you missed it, let me review it again for you. Here it is. There was a rich man who had a manager who was taking advantage of his position. Manager. The manager was squandering the rich man's property, it says. So the rich man decides to fire the manager and demand an audit of his books. The manager panics. What am I going to do? I'm too weak to dig. I'm too proud to beg, he says. So he cuts a deal. Cuts a deal with all the people who had debts with the rich man. He did this to make friends, it says. So that when he's thrown out of his corrupt job, he will have friends. He will have homes where he will be welcomed. And then there's the particular surprise in this story. The rich man praises 
the manager. Why? Why? Because he acted so shrewdly, he says. Shrewdness. This is a story about wealth and property and management, but it's also a story about faithfulness and shrewdness. They go together. So what are we to make of this? How does it apply to our lives? We live in 2013 in Richmond, in this city called to serve. How does it apply to our lives? Well, in delving into this passage a little more deeply, I want to share several insights that brought me a significant illumination to this perplexing story. First, there's an interesting and insightful transition that takes place around the word economics. All of you know economics, the word. It's about money and production and distribution and consumption of goods and services. Many of us have been thinking afresh about economics in these days with the issue of the government shutdown and what that means to our economy, with the expansion of health care and what that means to our economy, with volatile markets, with personal family budgets perhaps, economics is a part of life. The word economics comes from a Greek word for household management. Actually, okonomia. Okonomia, economics. A very prominent word in this passage, Greek word. There was a rich man who had a manager, okonomos, manager. It's from that word, okonomia. The steward is another way to translate it. The household economist is another way to translate it. The one who managed the rich man's Wealth. He handled much of the rich man's economics, his money, his production, the distribution, the consumption of goods and services that belonged to this rich man. Well, when the rich man comes to the manager, the steward, he's challenging his economics. The manager has been squandering. He's been messing up the economics. What is this that I hear about your management your okonomia, management or rather mismanagement of my economy here. The manager panics. He knows he's in trouble. He squandered the property. He's mismanaged the economics. So he says, I've decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, the people will welcome me into their homes. This is a crucial phrase. Welcome me into their homes. It's mentioned twice in this passage. It gets repeated at the end of the story, but changed slightly. Welcomed into eternal homes. In other words, when my economics is up a creek, it may be time to invest in another economy. When my household is bankrupt, it may be time to think about other people's households. It's time to change economies. Well, the Jewish and the Christian scripture have a name for the economy that the manager had been operating under and also the rich man's economy, the manager's economy that had left them in such a destitute mess. The word is mammon. Mammon is not bad in itself. In fact, it's part of life. 
We all need money and production and distribution and consumption of goods and services. Mammon is part of the world. But while mammon may be part of life and even essential to living, whenever the word mammon is referenced here in these texts or anywhere in the scriptures, it is mentioned as something that you never place your trust in. The problem with mammon is that while, while it buys things, it only buys certain things. The problem with mammon is it too often includes only a certain people. The problem with mammon is that it only lasts a certain length of time. It's not eternal. Mammon is the economy of scarcity, and it generates fear and anxiety. There's not enough to go around. Mammon means I must use all of my energy making sure that of the limited amount of cake that it's available, I want the most that I can get on my plate. And what happens in this story, the story of the manager, is that he realizes he needs to change economies. He needs to stop squeezing people for a living and start making friends. Imagine if we could make that same transition. He needs to stop seeing what he can get for himself and start working on giving, even if all that he can give belongs to the rich man. He needs to shift economies from scheming against people to working with them. From a mindset of scarcity to a disposition of generosity. From a perspective of fear to building connections and friends. Imagine that. Imagine that. Wisdom. Wisdom. And this is actually where the remarkable shift in this story, surprising shift in this story happens. The rich man praises the manager for his shrewdness. The rich man endorses the manager for his cunning. And Jesus tells this story as a way to encourage his disciples and all of us to shift and keep shifting from the economy of mammon. It doesn't bring life to the economy of the kingdom of God so that we may be welcomed into eternal homes. Shrewdness is demanded of God's people as we move from mammon to the kingdom of God. Shrewdness and faithfulness. Here's how the passage is rendered in the contemporary translation known as the message. Streetwise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They're on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. And Jesus says, I want you to be smart in the same way, but for what is right. Using every adversity to stimulate you to creative survival, to concentrate your essentials, to concentrate your attention on the bare essentials. So that you will live, really live, and not complacently just get by on good behavior. Jesus is not commending dishonesty. Jesus is advocating shrewdness for faithfulness. 
Jesus wants us as focused on building the church as we are at building our personal portfolios. Jesus wants us as attentive to our prayer life and our sense of discipleship as we are at our professional accomplishments. Jesus asks us for savvy at conveying the gospel in our hurting world. Savvy, as savvy as we are in all of our social interactions. Shrewdness for faithfulness. That's the message. We cannot just keep doing it the same way. Jesus asks and expects of us the very best creative inventive shrewdness for the gospel and for God's reign in this city and across the world and forever. And that means striving always to move away from the economy of mammon, which cannot fulfill, to the economy of God, which is eternal. In fact, the very essence of the word shrewdness, according to the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, has to do with grasping who we are and whose we are. When we really know that life comes from God and life proceeds to God, this changes how we actually live and function in the world. We live as savvy disciples of the kingdom of God. Our priorities align with God's priorities. We focus more on giving than getting. We care more about social capital than financial capital, which may give the perception of life, but does not bring life itself. We invest less in the things that do not last and more in God and God's things. This is our calling, which lasts forever. So today, as you're learning, we're moving into the stewardship season. This church can and do important work in downtown Richmond and throughout the world. Each of us is called to be a part of this. Each of us is, a, is called to offer our best selves for God's work. Each of us is called to move from the economy of mammon to the reign and economy of God. This church can carry out our gospel work in this city only as we each step up and do our part and love and serve as best we can. Jesus says we cannot serve two masters. Either we're devoted to one or we're not. We cannot serve God and wealth. We seek to be whom God made us to be and find welcome in eternal homes. Each of us is invited and each of us is needed as we seek to do kingdom work at Second Presbyterian Church. These are important times, as Jeff mentioned, and there are important things going on. You heard about our growing ministry with our VCU uh, downtown campus community. We have other needs that extend us into these streets and into this world. We have programs and ministry needs that continue. We have important work to do, and we can only do it as we do it together, each moving into God's economy. Stay tuned, and we'll be talking more about this in the coming weeks and plans. Our efforts seek to be dynamic and faithful and spirit-filled in all we do, and we're all called to be a part of this. Following worship today and coffee fellowship, you heard that we will return to this sanctuary and Celebrate the life and gifts and faithfulness of one who served among us for 
70 years, Robbie Lou Pendergraft. Robbie Lou came to Richmond at the invitation of her pastor in Fayetteville, North Carolina, who was called to be the sixth pastor of this church, Armand Buck Curry. He invited her to come with him and be the church secretary. She served in that role for 41 years, working with five more pastors. Indeed, she did everything in this church in faithful service to God. She was always looking for fresh ways to serve, to build connections, build social capital, embody Christ's peace. She demonstrated an inherent graciousness and faithfulness, loving and serving among God's people here in this city. She was intentional at helping others, doing whatever it was necessary to build up this church. That's what Jesus is talking about. Do whatever is necessary to build up God's church. Robbie Lowe's life embodied God's presence and care and fortitude and faithfulness. And it really embodied shrewdness for the gospel. She didn't, didn't simply stay in her little cubicle as the church secretary doing her work. She used all of her gifts in every aspect of this church's life. Creative inventive shrewdness for God and her life revealed a commitment not to mammon but to the living God to the kingdom of God which is about eternal life for all of us friends our lives are to be about faithfulness faithful response to all that God has given us and shrewdness creative inventive faithfulness to the gospel God calls us calls all of us to offer all that we have and all that we are for God's work in the world. May we be about that work today and forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we seek the way of faith and life. We seek to move our lives into your economy. Empower us to trust you and to serve you in all moments, today and forever. Amen.